Hello everyone and welcome to Capes, Cows and Masks, the show where we uncover the world of soups and science fiction. I'm your host, Jake Hart. I'm a podcaster and writer for Fresh Take Hub. And today I've got with me the whole gang. The whole gang's here. Dave had to come on because we got a particular topic that I was like, oh, Dave, come on. You've got to come on the show and you need to talk about this. So everyone, David Osgar and Tom Gapper in the house. Woo-hoo. It's a beautiful day. I was, I was woken up today to hooked on a feeling. It's a sign. I think the world is telling me to talk about this trailer. James Gunn fans out there are sending me subliminal messages. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. That's how they operate, man. That's how they get you. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> all these little start hints i mean as i've been saying in our group chat guys what a time to be a comic book fan at the minute with all th- just so much news happening or so much announcements but there's also some stuff that we have to address as well so you know there's going to be a bit of there's going to be a lot of stuff going on here so yeah there's going to be break- breaking down our weekly news all the biggest stories that have hit the stands but before we get into all of that Dave, you haven't been on the new show in a while now, but how you been keeping? I've been keeping good. Uh, like I said, very busy. Uh, like I said, on the Justice League review and the Falcon and Winter Soldier reviews, etc. I've uh, been busy trying to get some new content out there, working on fresh take, getting some like video essays and everything done. And like I said, it's just lots of stuff to watch and experience, and especially now as lockdown starts to ease and you know we can go out and about a bit more than... That, I think, makes everyone feel a bit better as well, isn't it? When the sun is shining, at least if I am stuck indoors reading or watching TV, as I usually am, at least I can look outside and go, well, it is nice outside if I do want to go out there, but I'll probably continue to watch this TV series instead. (laughs) (laughs) I can open the window and feel the fresh air now rather than just like a cold wind. Nice. What have you been watching? Um... I don't know. I've been, like, finishing lots of different things. Um, I finally... I've been for months uh going back over community which i know tom uh, is also a fan of um because i used to watch and love that program but i had never seen season six because it was like on that random sort of yahoo for a while and uh so now that it's on netflix i finally went through the entire thing and watched season six uh and that was the point in which again you saw watching it being like oh you know there's all the characters who or actors who show up in uh, obviously the Avengers and Captain America films, etc. But I also realized that uh, Randall Park essentially is also one of those cast members that turns up in MCU and in Community. Even though he's in Community for like literally like two minutes, he is still technically a Community actor who's uh, also appeared in the MCU, which was quite fun. Uh, and then it's just like said mixing it up with. A few different sitcoms and stuff like that. I've checked out Solar Opposites, some of the stuff that's launched on Star. So it's, it's been kind of trying to keep some of the variety and everything as well. And my whole old Godzilla watch through uh, in preparation for Godzilla vs. Kong. It's watching all those sort of 60s and 50s kaiju films and Japanese sci-fi films, which is bizarre, but lots and lots of fun. Definitely, definitely. How about you, Tom? How you been? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. <clears throat> just been uh, carrying on with my amazing, massive Marvel read-through that is just uh, maybe too too big a task to have taken on. But I finished Secret Empire finally, so that's great. Also, same as Dave, just been watching a, a couple of sitcoms. I've been re-watching The Good Place, just finished that um, the other day, so I'm in an emotional place right now. 
So yeah, that's basically all I've been up to is just watch, watching sitcoms and reading comics. It is weird because I'm also going through a sitcom. Uh, I'm currently going through Modern Family. Uh, what a fantastic show that is. And, you know, actually, like, because I've sort of half watched it before, like episodes here and there, but never like properly actually like see the characters go through their stories. And um, obviously, because we watched WandaVision recently, I was particularly focused on Julie Bowen. And I was like, wow, yeah, w- Elizabeth also really did embrace that type of crazy mom character that doesn't really give a shit about the kids yeah. sometimes it's just it's just really funny so yeah i've been pouring over that and uh, we will talk about this in when the show's over but man those first three episodes of invincible fucking chef's kiss like the biggest chef's kiss i could give a tv show right now because that is wonderful and i i haven't read the comics i'm not familiar with the comics at all I, obviously, I know it's um, by Robert Kirkman, who ob- who did The Walking Dead. But after these th- first three episodes, I'm like, I gotta read these comics because this is insane. Uh, Tom, I- I'm gonna go to you because have you read these comics before? Um, I've read like a-, a-, a good chunk of it, but not like all of them. I've been meaning to get back into it, but I was I've been tempted to go back into it since the moment the first trailer dropped. To be honest, because I was just like kind of reminds me why i got into it in the in the first place i'm not sure why i dropped off but it happens to me all the time i constantly pick up things and then drop off and then i'm like why so yeah i'm i'm very excited to see like where the show is gonna go i mean it seems to be a pretty good adaptation um of the comic so far so i i'm clearly like everyone is loving it at the moment so just excited to see where the season will go really and hopefully i will actually Maybe by the time the season is over, I would have finished all the comics if I picked them up now. Maybe I'll do that. I'll, I'll do that, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a there's a huge catalog. I think there's over, like, nearly 120 issues or something like that. I've looked up on Amazon. You can get, like, three compendiums with, like, 50 issues in each of them or something like that. So. Well, it is payday soon, so... Uh... <laughs> it is. It is, unfortunately. Dave, did you catch the, the first few episodes of Invincible? No, I still need to catch up on it. To be honest, I think it, it you know, it, it is difficult at the moment when you do get, like, the Falcon and Winter Soldier come out that day, and then I knew Invincible was out. And I gotta be honest, I watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I was like, oh, I, I, sacrilege on this podcast, I know, but I was like, I don't know if I can watch, like, Cape Shit, like, straight after watching this as well. So, and when, because they've done the whole, like, release the three episodes aspect at once, I think I will enjoy maybe sort of watching it one night, giving it another day, watching the second one, space it out a bit, and then I can sort of, like, naturally go into the the fourth one a bit, and then that'll kind of ease me into the, to the weekly release. But I did watch the extended clip that they released weeks and weeks ago before... Uh, the three episodes come out and I was thoroughly impressed by that because you could just tell the writing, the animation quality especially. That was probably my biggest concern beforehand was that you do get a lot of Netflix, well, I won't say Amazon because they haven't really done it that much before, but mainly Netflix and, you know, other TV studios do that kind of, I suppose DC is can be victims to it as well of that cutting corners kind of animation of just like somebody's flying through there and they just zip from one end to the other with barely any frames in between that kind of stuff but you could tell here that they, that wasn't the case and it, it looks fantastic and and yeah he has jk simmons in it and all these big actors so yeah i'm very excited yeah the voice cast is just spectacular the story is gripping like i i thought i was actually going to be more like you like 
I finished Falcon and Winter Soldier. I took some time. I was thinking about the episode. I thought, okay, I'll watch the first episode of Invincible. Maybe I'll watch the others uh, as as the week goes on. But after that first episode, oh, what? I got to watch the second episode right now. And trust me, Dave, I guarantee you, as soon as you watch, especially that ending, I won't say anymore, but that ending of that first episode, you'll be like, fuck, I need to see what's going to happen next. And I've just got to applaud Amazon because, you know... It's the boys level good. Mm. I'm talking about. There's like you said. There's no corners they've cut here. The animation is just superb, and also the fact that it's 45 minutes for an episode of animation. That's that's pretty much intuitive. Yeah, that's uh, that's unheard of. So you can see Amazon are willing to give it the time and the money because animation is also not cheap. It takes a long time to do. So this is fucking fabulous. I recommend anyone. To check this out if you're into superhero stuff. I did see on their Twitter there was some sort of gif or something that they referenced. Like, oh, the end of every episode of Invincible. And it was, like, referencing the whole fact that it's cliffhangery and teasy. And I was just like, oh, God, no. <laughs> but in a in a happy way, I was just like, ah, here we go. It's Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's superhero television at its finest. Uh, so that's with that out of the way. Let's get into all the news then. Tear up page one. Run that photo instead. Headline? Spider-Man, hero or menace? Exclusive Daily Bugle photo. Dave, this is our first topic, and this is the re- the main mm-hmm. reason you're here, really. <laughs> so, we all know that what's just come out, and that is the first trailer to James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. So, Dave, take it away. I know this has been your probably most anticipated DC movie, probably superhero movie coming down the line, but what do you think of the first look? Well, yeah, my, you can tell just my notes are solely just Suicide Squad based. You know, I, I'm ready with just only notes on this trailer. And yeah, this is very much my jam. Uh, this is very much the kind of approach that I love, especially because it's a director that I really respect and it's a look and originality that I really love and sort of dig. And for me, I'm not going to say that this trailer like amazed me and I'm already there like, yes, this will be my film of the year. And I am so, ex- well, I am excited, obviously. Um, but I, I'm not going to say that this was a perfect trailer or anything. I think that there are a few things in it, which I'm like, mm, I'm not sure about that. But the main thing that I took away from this was the characters. I think that, like James Gunn has nailed some of these characters. Um, But just in terms of like some of the stuff I wrote down is, you know, why this appeals to me, especially in terms of the cast. So you've got Idris Elba in there as like the leader who for a lot of years, people have kept saying Idris Elba should be Bond. I want Idris Elba to be James Bond. And I've always disagreed with that. Nothing to do with race or anything like that. I would perfectly happily see many actors of color take on the role of James Bond. But Idris Elba, to me, works best when he's kind of that more sort of thuggish character, the more street-smart sort of guy. So here he is, playing a street-smart, thuggish sort of guy who isn't doing, like, an American act. Well, is he doing an American accent in it? No, no he's British. Like, yeah. So, so he's doing his Idris Elba thing there. So point, you know, tick box there. We got Michael Rooker in here. So I never really was that familiar with Michael Rooker, apart from the fact that I was introduced to him via James Gunn. But... I love his storyline in the second Guardians film. I think he nails every scene that he gets in that film. The Mary Poppins yawl is one of the funniest jokes I think we've had in like the past 10 years in the comic book film. 
And I just think that he looks, again, like he seems like he's such a character actor that he looks like he's transformed in this completely different character again. So box check there. So Margot Robbie, I mentioned because she, you know, I've res- I've come to respect her really much as an actress as well. She's not like other actresses. And yeah, you know, okay, you could say Scarlett Johansson maybe is on a similar level, but she's really made the effort in the past few years to become a serious actress. She's become a producer. She's starred in many awards contenders. So I've seen her in a lot more of that stuff when I, when I follow like uh, Oscar season, etc. She was in things like Wolf of Wall Street and all that kind of stuff. And she took a lot of creative control, which in Birds of Prey, which, you know, some people might disagree, disagree with certain choices, but I still respected the hell out of what she did in that film. So, you know, box check there. Viola Davis, I've always loved her as well, ever since I saw The Help. She nailed it recently as Ma Rainey. So, again, loving her in this film. Pete Davidson, recently I watched King of Staten Island, as uh, Jake knows as well. So, after that film, I've got a huge, like, more respect for Pete Davidson. And, and I've always kind of enjoyed some of his SNL stuff whenever I've seen it. So, again, another, you know, box check there. John Cena. I have loved John Cena, not only in Bumblebee, I thought he was really funny really great in that film but also i don't know if anyone's seen it blockers which is a uh sort of teenage adult comedy that came out a few years ago john cena's in that it was one of his first roles and he is hilarious and actually in that film he's kind of this like uptight kind of guy with like a really tight polo shirt and stuff so it's kind of like james gunn maybe like cast him because of that film in this one so again really happy to see him here peter capaldi I used to love Doctor Who. Peter Capaldi was a brilliant doctor. He is—he was a... the best doctor. Excuse you. Yeah. <laughs> He's an amazing Malcolm Tucker as well. So, yeah, really excited about that. And maybe the weirdest one, and again, I've not got any real past connection apart from just this one film, but I felt that Joel Kinnaman was actually quite all right in Suicide Squad. I didn't have a problem with his performance. I thought the character was actually quite interesting in that film. I liked the stuff with Enchantress. I liked the kind of at least emotional link that they give him. Enchantress is weird, I'm not going to say. But, you know, and I kind of dug some of that like kooky kind of stuff because, again, it's, you know, kooky. But Joel Kinnaman, I thought, did a decent job. The script didn't do him any favors at all. That like line, you know, that whole thing about Katana's sword and everything. But don't put that on Joel Kinnaman. Put that on the script and the awful reshoots and that kind of stuff. And I love what he seems to be doing here because it seems that James Gunn is like reinventing the characters even from that Suicide Squad film. I don't know about you guys, but I got a sense that Joel Kinnaman was playing like a different character, like a different, he was playing him almost very different. He seemed like very nasally, kind of had his shirt tucked in, his like hair was all brushed over. And I was just like, I kind of dig this if this is what I think you're going to be doing, which is kind of this like, you know, neurotic sort of more like pristine leader kind of like all sweaty and being like right this is my team i'm gonna do this kind of stuff or you know that that's the impression i got from him when he had his interactions with harley etc so it's that approach from james gunn that he seems to work really well with his actors and get the best out of them and that's what you know he said with margot robbie he's like i would love to work with margot robbie again and that makes sense through watching this because you can tell that she's thriving maybe of his ideas and his energy and his direction. So I felt that all of that in this trailer was on show. I've got some worries about like the storyline. I'm not sure if that is quite working for me. I don't see there's much 
previously like we had with the first Suicide Squad film, people felt that was this a Suicide Squad kind of mission because it seemed like a very much save the world kind of aspect. And here, obviously, they're going for like Starro and that kind of stuff. And I'm still a bit like, well, you could easily fall into the the trap again of doing the same thing of making it this alien force, this end of the world kind of situation. But there's still the whole kind of like island stuff. They're infiltrating like the military and all that kind of thing. So I'm pretty confident, but I've, you know, I've got a few concerns. The banter, I think, is 10 out of 10 at the moment. It looks really fun. The fact that you have got Idris Elba, etc. bouncing off each other quite, quite well. Uh, obviously, like the dicks on the beach scene is a bit weird again. But again, I, I, I bought into it to just sell us on that idea of like it's it's purposely grotesque and bizarre just to sell you on like who these characters are. And yeah, I just really got like a connection for other elements in the film. I really like that scene with Idris Elba on the bus with his, is it with Ratcatcher too? Is that who she is yeah, in that that's scene? Ratcatcher yeah. Too, yeah. So, um, you know, I felt that there was like a nice connection there. You're, you're already starting to see a lot of like good relationships form. Obviously you've got King Shark, which was fantastic. Like the whole hand joke, like I just love Viola Davis's response to that. Like, yes, that is your hand. <laughs> and, um, I also loved how that scene seemed to take place in like a university lecture theater or something like that <laughs> which just made me laugh a peacemaker's got his little notepad out yeah pen. he's like he's the proper nerd like yes i'm going to make notes on this um so yeah i think you know and the jokes again with harley i love the like i can go back inside you know like that was fantastic <laughs> that was so harley she performed it so well i loved how pete davidson was wearing crocs in the prison again it's that attention to detail of like orange crocs with the orange jumpsuit yeah, it's again, it just looks perfect to me. It's just the, the imagery in this film. It looks as well like it's made on like film. It looks very vibrant. It's, you know, Marvel, etc. can look quite flat and dull sometimes. This looks like an actual movie. It seems like it's filmed on film. And, you know, you get with Carly, you get the flowers behind her and everything. And you see that in the posters. Her red and black just pops. She looks like amazing. And the fact that I think that this this trailer is also deceiving us in a lot of ways like they have before. And I don't know what you guys feel, but I potentially have some theories on how things are going to go down with the teams and the setup of this film. Because when I was watching it again before doing this, I was like, right, I can definitely see where they're deceiving us and making it look like things are completely different orders and that kind of stuff. Because I'm pretty sure on who I know that the central cast of this are. And I suppose most people do because of the posters and the way that this trailer goes. So, yeah, I'm I'm loving it. I can't wait. I think it's going to be loads of fun. Um, I have some concerns about the story and everything like that, but I think it's continuing that element that we've loved about DC, which is all these creators can come to these storylines and tell really different stories in their own way without being, like, restricted or confined and can just thrive off that. Well, I mean, <laughs> leave some for the rest of us, Dave. <laughs> you wanted to be on here to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh tom go on what what do you have to say that already hasn't been said by dave or maybe do you want to echo some he of might have thoughts? hated it he could have completely re you know disagreed with everything i said <laughs> to be fair Fuck this trailer <laughs> exactly. no, unfortunately uh i do fundamentally agree with pretty much everything dave said um although one thing i will say is the uh, dicks on the beach line the peacemaker says i actually think that's perfect because that just sounds like a line peacemaker would say in the comics because he's a ridiculous character, 
and I think John Cena is going to be playing him perfectly, and I'm so excited for it. I'm also really excited for Peter Capaldi. He's one of my favorite actors. Um, as Dave said, loved him in Doctor Who, loved him as Malcolm Tucker in the thick of it. I've got some theories as to where his character could go. Sadly, I think he could be one of the ones that dies early, but I really, really hope he isn't because I love that guy. But yeah, pretty much what Dave said, Like it just it just looks really good. It's just got this feel, this vibe to it where I, I did, I can't, it's hard to place my finger on it, but I'm very, very excited for this film and this trailer's definitely like ramped up the hype I had for it before. Again, I probably agree with Dave in like a bit unsure the direction the story is going to take. I do worry that maybe it's going to suffer from the same problems as the first film and that it's a bit too overstuffed. But I do trust James Gunn. I mean, he handled Guardians of the Galaxy pretty well. And also, even if the cast seems pretty stuffed, you're guaranteed to have at least half of them die about 20 minutes in. So, yeah, I, I, unfortunately, Dave stole most of my words. So, but yeah. I mean, yeah, I got to echo a lot of what you guys have said. In regards to, like, the, you know, the aliens thing and then this, oh, people complaining about the original Suicide Squad, I think it's a a variation of things because when that Suicide Squad film was coming out, it was sort of portraying itself as a very dark and serious type of film. So when that sort of happens, everyone's like, what the fuck's all this going on, the floating thing in the sky? But James Gunn from day one has said, I am sort of homaging uh, John Ostrada's work on The Suicide Squad. And if you read his work, it is fucking bonkers and it is out there and there's aliens and there's all monsters and there's all sorts of weird shit that goes on <laughs> with The Suicide Squad. So if he's going into it w- with that sort of take, I'm ready for the big outlandish stuff. And especially, like you said, what we've seen him do in Guardians of the Galaxy, he's a very outlandish... Like, you know, the trailers, I actually think, said it beautifully from the horribly beautiful mind of James Gunn. I was like, yes, that that sells the trailer for me completely because it's coming from this guy's horribly beautiful mind. You know, not just obviously his Guardians films. If you watch his previous work like Slither and stuff like that, some fucked up shit, but extremely entertaining. But yeah, I, I just thought this is giving me exactly what I expected from a James Gunn Suicide Squad movie. Like... The story, I, you know, it's a Suicide Squad movie. I, I give it certain leeway because I'm like, it's a team of bad guys going in to defeat another team of bad guys. I mean, there's only so much I think you can do with a story there. Um, so I think it's more, like you said, Dave, in the characterization of all these people. I, I've said from day one, I love Harley Quinn. It is a different take, but Birds of Prey, really, she made it even more her own. And I think she's really embracing the role here. I love the red and black, obviously going back to her original color palette. John Cena looks fantastic. Pete Davison as well. Peter Capaldi. Everyone just looks amazing in these roles. But at the same time, I'm like, huh. I think this trailer is somewhat misleading in some ways. And like, you know, those posters have said, don't get too attached. And I think more of these characters are not going to make it by the end of this film than will. Like, the obvious ones that won't die, I think you don't kill off Harley, because, you know, that's a franchise in itself. You don't kill off that character. Idris Elba, ooh, I don't know. I think you probably could maybe kill him. You know, Bloodsport, you know, unless you do another Suicide Squad movie with James Gunn, could you, you know, bring him back for anything else? I don't know. So there's all, I look at all the characters, and I'm like, you know, you could fucking kill most of these people, because they're really not going to... Ma- make an impact going forward in the DC films universe. So I'm like, 
just have fun and kill as many characters as you want. I also noticed that we didn't get to see Taiko Atiti in the trailer, so I'm really excited to see who he's going to be playing. Um, some people are asking, is he voicing Starro? James Gunn said no, he's not voicing Starro, so that's... Yeah, that would have been perfect, because Starro is such a ridiculous character, <laughs> and especially in like recent comics, they've kind of like gone away from this like whole oh he's this mystical like ancient cosmic threat to just like it's just starro man he's a, he's a big he's a starfish he's a he's a big starfish it's big starfish <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> and I, i've also got to love the line as well because it's it, it it's like it's like James Gunn was like, I'm going to put this line here because I know everyone's talking about kaiju films. He's like, whoa, we got kaiju up in this joint. Was just, Wouldn't it be yes, hilarious, though, yes, if, we'll... like, after all this, like, Starro is, like, literally a threat they dispatch within, like, five minutes in the middle of the film. They're just like, oh, that was easy. And then, like, they just move on. <laughs> Well, again, not to go back too much to Ralph Boner, but I wouldn't be surprised if Taika Waititi is kind of just Steve from Accounting or something in the film. I wouldn't, you know, because people might be like, oh, who's Taika? Who's Taika? And all this. He might just be some, like, comic relief character who's just, like, the Suicide Squad's inventor or something. <laughs> I've heard from various different people and stuff on the interwebs that he's playing Ratcatcher 1. That would make sense, yeah. So I, I think we might get, like, a very quick scene where Ratcatcher 2 kills Ratcatcher 1 to take the mantle or something. <laughs> yeah, or he, like, dies in her arms and, like, you know, carry on the, the name. <laughs> carry on the Ratcatcher name. <laughs> yeah. I also think it's interesting. Like, my theory on the team is I think that, like you said, Jake, I think that Aussie Harley is, like, you know, definitely going to stick around. And from what the characters that he, James, seems to be aligning himself to like in terms of the emotional story and who he seems to like and everything i could see that maybe bloodsport would potentially carry on ratcatcher 2 i could see surviving uh joel kinnaman's uh polka dot man yeah no i i could see maybe him going because he already has so said David that, like, no i don't want to <laughs> see it but he did so you know they said like oh we're gonna die and he was like hopefully or whatever so <laughs> It could happen. Yeah, that was amazing. That I was that, that was so trailer. good. So oh uh, oh, how did oh sorry? How did we not mention fucking Stallone as King Shark? Yeah. Come on! Well, exactly. I don't think I don't think King Shark will die. I think again, he's too big a character. He's too fun to dispose of. Um, so like I said, I think it's going to be Margot Robbie, Ratcatcher Two, Peacemaker, King Shark, uh, Rick Flag. I think they're all okay. I don't know about Bloodsport. Maybe you could throw Rick Flag in there. The others, I think, are all potential goners. And this trail even shows it. It shows Rick Flag with, like, um, Weasel and Savant and a bunch of all the other, you know, I, I, should I just look at the list? This is so many different oh, names so and many. characters. Nathan Fillion's TD, in there. Yeah, TDK, mongol all of those i think all of them could die i think there might be some sort of action scene at the start where there's an entire team of a suicide squad and rick flag at the end of it is just like i lost them all and viola davis is like oh for fuck's sake you know you're gonna have to recruit a, a completely that would be new team but i don't so I, I i think i've got also i think peter capaldi might be all right tom because you you do see him in a lot of shots you see him in that team one where they're walking up the beach through the water you see him in a lot of posters yeah an interesting one on the poster actually is the fact that like on the character posters they released after the trailer 
like obviously they had loads of different things on all of them and they could mean nothing but on his particular one was loads of starfish obviously his character has got psychic abilities starro's got psychic abilities i have been thinking potential like teammate turned antagonist maybe yeah i think they bring him in because of his communication with him i'm assuming that they sort of use him because he has that power but also i don't know if you guys noticed this but there's just this random guy attached to them as well like in the scene where they say uh, if you have personal and uh, number plates uh, you know you're you're dead and all that kind of stuff there's this random guy walking around in the background like giving them stuff and it's just like some some bloke it's just some like bearded guy in like a hoodie and then when they're doing like the scene of walking through like the mist in the sea he's there on the end again and i'm like is who is this is this kind of like the new what was that guy called in deadpool <laughs> deadpool 2 who was the oh, guy in deadpool 2 um, with the mustache pete oh pete yeah pete, yeah. yeah is this like the new pete or something i was just like it's just a look watch back the trailer and there's just this like average looking guy like He's in that scene with the dick, uh, dicks on the beach kind of stuff. He's like walking behind them. It's so, Matt Damon. <laughs> I don't know who he is. Maybe, you know, he is Mephisto or something. But yeah, <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised, like I said, if all of that cast, there's a team, they're all dead, and then they have to kind of restart or something because they they cleverly seem to, in this trailer at the beginning, you see Viola Davis communicating with rick flag as if she's like okay guys it's an important mission but she's not talking about rescuing harley when you see that scene she's talking to a bunch of suicide squad members in like a plane in like a red hold of a, of a jet so i think they're combining two completely different sequences they are making us think that she's talking to rick flag and everything i don't even think the rick flag is under her orders at this point i think he might go out on his own and get harley i don't even, i don't believe that maybe he's following uh, Waller's orders there. I think that she's in control of a different Suicide Squad team at that point. So, yeah, they seem to have cleverly like half like taken two halves of the film and tried to convince us that it's actually like one or like a mesh of one story. And I'm like, I see what you're doing, DC. So it's suicide, suicide, suicide Squad versus Suicide Squad versus Starro Squad versus Mephisto. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. well, no one saw that coming. <laughs> Well, Suicide Squad versus Starro, Suicide Squad dies, then other Suicide Squad maybe tries, comes in and sort it out, something like that, maybe. Well, it will be a guessing game, I can tell you that. It's going to be who's going to die as we go into this film, and that's August 6th. And I pray to God, I'm pretty confident that it will we'll get there, but I'm going to see this on the biggest IMAX screen possible, and I hope I get to see it with Dave because I want to be there with Dave as he watches <laughs> this film. Just watching me like grinning throughout the entire <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. Right. So we'll continue with DC news. It is primarily a lot of DC news that's come out of the last, last week. So this next bit of news is it's neither positive nor negative. It's whatever you want to make of it. So obviously off the tails of Zack Schneider's Justice League. Anna Sarnoff, Warner Media CEO, had an interview with Variety, and they asked her a bunch of questions about the future of DC and, you know, the Snyder Cut, and obviously there's a big hashtag going around now of all the fans of Zack Snyder's Justice League and his DC World, Restore the Snyderverse. They asked her, what's going on? Is, are we going to be continuing that? Uh, is David Ayer going to get his cut of Suicide Squad released? And this is what she has to say. I appreciate that they love Zack's work and we are very thankful for his many contributions to DC. 
was just so happy that he could bring his cut of the Justice League to life because that wasn't in the plan until about a year ago. With that comes the completion of his trilogy. We're very happy we've done this, but we're very excited about the plans we have for all the multi-dimensional DC characters that are being developed right now. Tom, what do you make of all this? Because th th there's a lot going on, Pierre, because you have multiverse, you have the ability to tell loads of different stories in loads of different universes. Uh, but what do you make of all this? Well, if we start just with the keeping along like the kind of Suicide Squad theme, I think the news that we're not getting an eye cut is expected. I never expected that idea to gain traction, really, because for the most part, I don't actually think Suicide Squad was a polarizing film. I think it was just many people thought it was a bad film. And really, the only thing that was missing that could be added to a Aya cut would just be the extra Joe on the cutting room floor, which I would kind of like to see, just so we get a bit more of Jared Leto's Joker, because I still don't think he's been given enough to really like say for sure whether he's a good or bad Joker. But yeah, I'm not... I'm not overly upset that we're not getting an eye cut. I don't think it was needed. And also, as we said, well, as I, th I think it was you, Jake, or maybe David in the group chat said, it's a very different thing between Suicide Squad and Justice League. A whole other thing. And as for this news that they're not restoring the Snyderverse, they also said they wouldn't release the Snyder cut. So let, let's, like, it wouldn't surprise me if this is where they draw the line. But never say never, especially when they're going on about, what was it she said? Uh, about the plans we have for the multi-dimensional DC characters that are being developed right now. Well, I think we discussed this on the show a bit last week. It's just the fact that DC do have this niche now where they can just like pump out as many films as they want, set them in whatever universe as they want, and they can just bring them together as and when they feel it's necessary. Or maybe they don't feel it's necessary and they just carry on pumping out these films. Um... So I think I think it is just the statement is is very ambiguous in that regard. Like I said, I wouldn't count out seeing aspects of the Snyderverse again. I mean, obviously we're getting the Ezra Miller Flash film. That's clearly going to tie into it. So like to say that the Snyderverse needs restoring is actually kind of wrong. What people really mean is they just want the future Justice League films to be made and maybe like a cyborg film to be made, although that might be happening in the future. So I actually think we should take what the statement as a positive and not dwell on the fact that, oh, there's no eye cut, oh, there's no restoration of the Snyderverse. I think it's it's positive. It's just showing DC's commitment to telling more stories however they want. And they don't have to be beholden to the rules of a cinematic universe, keeping everything cohesive and tight and telling one large story. They can tell as many stories as they want. And then when they feel the time is right, if they feel the time is right, they can do a big epic crossover. You can have all the Batman and all the Flash and all the Aquaman and all the whatever together. So I, I'd, I'd, yeah, as I said, just very excited about this news. I think we should take this as a positive rather than a negative. I don't take it as either because I'm not too sure who to trust at Warner Brothers because when you, when you hear about everything that happened revolving Justice League and a lot of the executive decisions and the people involved, there seems to be a, very, a lot of miscommunication. It seems to be like a lot of people at Warner Brothers wanted Zack to finish his trilogy, but it also seems like there was some other people at Warner Brothers who were 
didn't really care. It was, you know, Zach confirms that when they first approached them, they were like, oh, can you just release it as you have on your laptop? And he was like, no, fuck that, you know. So there's been a lot of shady and dodgy moves from Warner Brothers. So I'm not too sure where, where we stand with Ansanov, but I think there's there's definitely room to continue with Zack Schneider if he wanted to do that. That's also a very important thing we have to ask. You know, it seems like he's game. Would he want to go back into that situation? Because, you know, coming back to do this cut was a very different situation. He had complete creative freedom. You know, he, he forgo a pay and all of that stuff. But if he was to come back to do sequels, contracts get involved, more money gets involved, and, and, and you know, and it's a different game then. So would he want to go through that again? That's the first thing. Second thing, if he does want to do it, I think he should be given the opportunity to do it because you can clearly see with the success of this, HBO Max has had a boost in subscribers. It's been played multiple times all around the, the world now. More than his previous two films, people are enjoying it. There's you know good praise about it. There's hunger to see what the story would have been if he continued with the new gods and all of that. So I think there is money there. Now, there's a lot there's the argument that people say well if they do it if they do that they're sacrificing you know some of the other projects they already had planned granted you know they're a studio they don't have infinite amounts of money but you have to sort of weigh your options at what can bring you more money at the end of the day so some of their projects that they've announced are probably not going to bring the attraction that maybe a justice league film directed by Zack Snyder would do but we'll see and i have to address as well because this is a quite important like, I'm all for the Restore the Snyderverse. I've been hashtagging myself. I like to be part of this movement. I think what this movement has created is really important. But this is where I get really pissed off with the movement. It does not give you the right to trash bomb other movies produced by Warner Brothers. It does not give you the right to use this hashtag when Warner Brothers are talking about really important real-world issues such as uh, discrimination against Asian people. Please stop doing that. It does not help the cause at all, and it gives everyone who likes these films a really bad name. When people criticize this fandom as calling them the Snyder Cult and toxic fandom, it is because of these people that ruin it for everyone else. So I just want to get that out of the way because that is not cool in the slightest. If you do that, you're an asshole. I'm sorry. Uh, Dave, <laughs> try and uh, brighten up the mm -hmm. mood a bit. Uh, but what, but what do you make <laughs> of th this whole thing here? Yeah, I'm kind of like Tom. I'm, you know, I can very much see it in different aspects. I think that ultimately, whether you're on the side of Snyder or not, I think everyone would agree that they just want to go forward in a good way. And like you said, Jake, you know, obviously there will be certain people who are like, no, you know, I all or nothing. And I think that's ridiculous. You can't, you know, you can't be on a platform trying to say that one guy's uh, vision as a creative is justified and should be given to, to him. And he should be able to finish that creative vision at the sacrifice of loads of other people's creative vision. That doesn't make sense. If you support directors who want to continue their stories then that means you need to you know respect all of their visions so that includes patty jenkins that includes james wan so you know that that is a thing and at the end of the day 
we haven't talked about Justice League. It's not like the Avengers are like, oh, what's the next Avengers film? What's going to be the final Avengers film that's going to wrap all this up? You know, they haven't talked about future plans for Justice League. So there's not even an element of give us our Justice League because you've taken it away and you're doing this other version, which we don't want because there's no talks of even a different version of the Justice League or anything like that. And I've always said that I think that the the, the HBO Max deal worked in Snyder's favor because it can exist within that universe. And, you know, this, sorry, what was your name again? <laughs> uh, Anne Sanoff. Yeah, so Anne Sarnoff even said about multiverse characters. So again, she's not completely closing the door on multiverse stories. And I think that was always going to be the problem if you went ahead with Snyder's version. I think you would have had to just be like, these are the Justice League films. And I think they would have always struggled to balance that with Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Flash. I don't think they could have done things like Shazam and, I don't know, other, you know, Blue Beetle, all of that kind of stuff. I think they would have had to just either keep it with just the core members and their films and kind of keep the tone somewhat linked to Snyder. Or, you know, you have to go in the direction that they're doing, which is like everything is their own thing and it's this completely different sort of adapted world, which I think is a lot better because even Snyder himself says that that, you know, it works for Marvel to have that consistent story and to have their tone and he respects and likes that and he's just saying but this is what i wanted to do and this is what we're doing and the fact that they're different is a good thing and at the end of the day how far are you going to push that you're going to be asking for like the colin trevorrow cut of rogue one you're going to be asking for like lord of miller's cut of solo you know it's it's creative changes and reshoots happen that's just the way it happens in hollywood same with birds of prey you know the Tony Gilroy, who did Rogue One, came in and did more action scenes for Birds of Prey. So again, what, what what did that film look like beforehand? So yeah, I think that that's just a thing that happens, isn't it? I can't see that the Aya cut is going to be that different. And personally, I just think that they've freed themselves a lot more now to be able to tell these different stories, to have something like Shazam, to have films like Blue Beetle, to have things like Green Lantern, which are not restricted as much. And I think the fact that you still got Gal Gadot there as Wonder Woman, you still got Jason Momoa as Aquaman. So again, it's not like you've lost all of these characters or these actors, yet you could say that for character, you know, actors like Ben Affleck or Henry Cavill. But at the end of the day, that's their career decision to make. If they don't want to carry on with the character or they feel they've been burned by what's happened, then that's just an unfortunate situation that's happened. But at the end of the day, it's like, any relationship you know you've some if you've burned your bridges or you can't move on from what happened then there's no repair in that so people just might want to move on or they can't see themselves being a part of that future and that might work to the benefit of warner brothers they can maybe get a superman that's going to be more appealing to a bigger pool of audiences and potentially make you know like Tom said, they can bring it together for this big DC mashup in the future once they've established Shazam a bit more, Green Lantern a bit more, Martian Manhunter a bit more. Um, it's not going to go with this kind of like very focused and very specific story that Snyder wanted to tell, which I think is impressive and is very good, but I think it works as its own direction. I think it's hard to sell that as kind of like this is the DC universe. So I, th I think it's a good thing. I think that it's going to allow the, the studio to go ahead now, go forward because a lot of people are also saying like all these DC announcements are to be kind of to to crush the Snyder Cut. 
And I disagree with that. I think some people are saying, oh, well, they're, they're, do, they're doing all these casting announcements to kind of go, okay, well, let's forget about Snyder Cut now. I'm like, no, all of this kind of celebrates DC having its moment. I think that it's on the back of the success of the Snyder Cut. It's, what are they, what else are they going to do? We're just going to be talking about three weeks about what happened in the Snyder Cut and or what could have been. You need to have discussions of the future. Thank you, Dave. I've been saying this to people because I've actually been arguing with people about online and like people who are, you know, who are Snyder fans and like I've had good conversations with, but then these certain people have been attacking going, oh, look, they're throwing all this DC news out to, you know, uh, diss the Snyder Cut and to get all the traction off it. I'm like, no, this is, we're celebrating that this has come out. Like the first thing, if you're if you're a DC fan, right, and you've just seen Justice League and you're high on Justice League, you're like, oh my God, fucking God, I want more DC. Here's more DC. Look, here's James Gunn's Suicide Squad coming out in a couple of months. Fucking Pierce Brosnan as, you know, Dr. Fate. Black Adam's coming out. We got loads of DC coming. But like you said, Dave, to say, I just want to see Zack Snyder stuff, then you're not really a DC fan, are you? You're just sort of being like, you, you are more in like a little occult circle sort of thing. So... But at the same time, I see other people who are reasonable and logical when they explain, look, we don't want uh, the Snyderverse to overtake the, other, the rest of the DC universe. We want both of them to live at the same time. And like, I, I completely agree with you. Mean, Dave, like, HBO Max would be that perfect platform if they were to do it for Schneider to come back and do his you know, couple of movies that he's got left. I think that would probably absolutely be the perfect platform. And you know, even what, what HBO Max can do, he could go into it differently and maybe make it a miniseries. Do you know what I mean? Because like he really, with the contracts and stuff of this film, probably couldn't do it like that. But if he wanted to, he could definitely do it. So I think there's room for it. But at the same time, you have to understand that this is a business and Warner Brothers, is, there's limited funds. There's, a, there's only so much money they have for so many projects. You know, they get their budget and they go, right, what are we going to spend on which projects? And if they haven't accounted for any of Snyder's films, that's just, you know, that's just the business, I'm afraid. And um, they're going to pursue with the other stuff. So, but like she says, the Snyder Cut wasn't in their plan until about a year ago. So in a year's time or two years time, who the fuck knows? So, yeah, speaking of all these future DC films that they've got planned, let's get into them. Black Adam. The Rock announces the, the release date in the most rock fashion you could possibly imagine. On Instagram, they've taken over Times Square in New York, which is just... How much money does this guy have? It's insane. Um, it's to release the date, so it will be coming out next year in July... And to add to that, earlier in the week, we got some casting announcements to add to the Black Adam movie. And whoa, I did not see this coming. And that is Pierce Brosnan to play Dr. Fate. And he's obviously, they've mentioned the JSA is going to be in the Black Adam movie. I just can't wait to see Dr. Fate. Give me the fucking helmet of Nobu. Tom, I go to you. Are you excited about this? Of course I'm excited about Dr. Fate. This is this is like amazing news. And like you said, I did not see the casting of Pierce Brosnan coming. I'm here for it. I'm okay with it. But I just really didn't see it coming. And I, I had to double check that I wasn't like reading some satirical news site that had a weird sense of humor or something. But yeah, I'm very excited to see Dr. Fate. He is just an amazing character. Like, I mean, it's... 
kind of easy on face value to maybe like write him off as just like oh he's just basically like Doctor Strange but like no it's so much more than that it's so much deeper than that I mean but he, he is though he's, he's, no, but, well no because he's one of the nine lords of order one of the primordial forces of the DC universe he is essentially within the helmet a god yeah but I just can't wait to just like because I, I imagine like Pierce Brosnan's delivery of just like there's there's just so much opportunity for like chewing the scenery a bit with uh, Talk to Fate. I, I reckon like Pierce Brosnan could really like do something really great with the role, and I'm just as well just excited to see any more future JSA um casting announcements. Maybe a JSA film in the future. I wouldn't say no to a JSA film in the future. I love the JSA; they're amazing. Dave, what do you make of this? I mean this. I said in the group chat earlier, this has been 14 years since The Rock was first cast as Black Adam. <laughs> and yeah, it, that was crazy. And um, we're finally getting it because they go into production next month. Well, in terms of the JSA film, I think to what Tom said, you know, we kind of are getting a JSA film with this in the, you know, which they do with a lot of superhero films. Like, oh, well, we can't do this film, but let's just put them all in this solo characters film, which I think is quite a good idea and sort of gives you know, Black Adam a bit more relevancy and a bit more reason to go see him because, you know, to be honest, when he was cast, I was like, who's this? You know, I, I had no idea who, who that character was. But now that this hit has got characters like Dr. Fate, etc., in it, which sort of speaks more to my kind of appeal, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a lot more interested in this now. And the fact that it, it means you can have a lot more diverse range of actors. And it's kind of a bit like what i've said before with like will smith and stuff like that is just that i do find the rock to be somewhat overindulgent so i you know the more screen time you can share with others the better i think <laughs> um the main thing i think is interesting from this and the other castings that we'll go into is that it kind of is like a checkbox of like famous actors at this stage it's the fact that you know marvel especially had it where they've had so many you know glenn close and uh, you know Bradley Cooper we've had so many like famous uh, Tilda Swinton so many famous actors who've been uh, Robert Redford that was the other major one I was thinking of uh, in <laughs> one day he'll finish yeah, this exactly. sentence sorry without, I was like what's the other one I was like <laughs> Glenn Close and Bradley Cooper I was like no I was like Glenn Close and Robert Redford are the two sort of like standouts I think for me and it seems like Every actor in Hollywood is now like, get me in a superhero film because they want to get that get sweet one money. Before they're all well, also, <laughs> they just want to get one before they're all gone because ultimately, <laughs> most of these characters are just going to be all taken by the time, you know, some of them are left. You know, poor, you know, I don't know, name, insert famous actor here is just going to be there like, there's no one for me to play. You know, I don't. Uh, it's like. Yeah, Marvel are just like, oh no, we've got um, uh, shifting yeah. through a bag. Walrus. Yeah. It's a walrus costume <laughs> and has the proportional powers of a walrus. That's all we got left, man. Yeah, it just feels like they're just going through all the big name actors now and being like, oh my God, you know, Pierce Brosnan as this, this person. And I think the headline and stuff is fun. And I think the idea of like having these big famous actors and sort of of old Hollywood especially is is cool to see but I don't know I didn't immediately think you know I'm not again as familiar with certain DC characters but I, I wasn't thinking oh yeah Pierce Brosnan of course this this also comes off to me as a kind of like when he was rumored to be Cable in 
Deadpool 2, it just seems like his time has been coming since then as well. It feels to me that he was just like, the fact that he didn't get to be Cable is just like, we were just waiting for Pierce Brosnan to be cast as then some other superhero. So yeah, I feel I feel it's good in that sense. And I think that he will bring a lot of gravitas to it and it'll you know, make for an interesting team, especially considering the other characters that they're opposite there. So yeah, it's going to be fun. The only problem with having Pierce Brosnan in this, though, is that I want to see the helmet of Nobu so much. But when you cast Pierce Brosnan, you got to show that beautiful face of his as much as possible. <laughs> so they, we we might not get as much of the helmet as we want. That's that's the good thing about these old legacy actors and stuff as well, though, because even though Bradley Cooper isn't an old legacy actor, he's still like a massive Hollywood name, but he's there voicing a raccoon. So it could be one of those situations in which, like, you know, we don't want to pay for Pierce Brosnan face Brosnan, but maybe they want P- Pierce Brosnan's voice, you know, kind of like that um, Simpsons episode where he's the voice of the house or something. Yeah, but <laughs> you, also, <clears throat> you also have to think, how much does the actor want to do that? Pierce Brosnan might Pierce Brosnan might be what do you mean I want to show him his face you know what I mean I want to act like <laughs> what if it turns out that he's actually like a massive Talk to Fate fan and he's and like the director say like okay we need to see your, your face Pierce so we can like get get our money's worth and he's like no the helmet stays <laughs> the on. helmet stays I mean fucking yeah give me the helmet of yeah. Nobu man he's just like I, I spoke to Pedro Pascal about this the <laughs> helmet never leaves this head <laughs> He, he might, he's just a, he's an older guy now. He might just want to chill at home and do some, you know, ADRs, like record some lines. Yeah, send it off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, he but ain't, ain't going like to be doing said. wire work, I tell you that. <laughs> he's float, no, exactly. floating around and doing all that shit. <laughs> so, uh, hey, the dude was James Bond. If he wants to do hey, wire man, work. That was like, the 90s was 30 years ago now. It's <laughs> okay. Just put that into perspective. Don't remind me. I was born in the nineties. <laughs> uh, right. So yeah, going on with what Dave said, all these big castings of these legendary uh, actors from the old guard of Hollywood. Helen Mirren has been cast as the <laughs> villain in the Shazam sequel, Fury. You're of just the picking gods. names out of a hat now, Jake. <laughs> yeah, what are you at, doing? At this point, take... at this point, Look, this man, just... this is legit. <laughs> this is legit. So she's playing a character called Hispera, which is not in the comics. It's a completely new character for this film. So I have two things to say. One, if it is a completely new character for this film, why? Why? Like you have a whole insight, you know, all these comics, all these amazing villains you could do. I thought they were going with with Mr. Mind and all that shit. I mean, you want to see a crazy caterpillar? It's fucking amazing. Come on. (laughs) So if you're going to do it, I was like, why? Second, this also could be maybe like um, uh, a Star Trek Into Darkness thing. So, oh, this is a new character. I'm not playing a villain sort of thing. And then <laughs> in the film, we see that it's fucking, it's some famous villain or something like that. Uh, Tom, where do you go with this? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Just as soon as the casting was announced, I kind of did a little double take. And I was kind of just like, I mean, they've cast her in this film. Did they tell her what film she was being cast in? Like, was she aware? Was this some, like, big trick? But, uh, I mean, I, I'm always excited to see Helen Mirren in anything. She's a incredible actress. Um, I don't think anyone would deny that. Just weird to imagine, like, uh, a superhero film has finally, like, yeah, has finally snagged her. And you think, like, oh, is she going to be in, in Eternals? Is she going to be in, like, some new, bold, innovative, like, Marvel series? It's like, no, she's in Shazam. It's all a bit, it's all a bit weird, really, isn't it? Like I, I don't know how else to react to this cast. <laughs> what do you think? Like, 
I know. I kind of do think it makes sense in some respect. Like I said, it is a bit odd. I, you know, I did see and go, what? You know, but then at the same time, she has been in films like the Red films. Like I always was kind of surprised by that. Do not besmirch the Red films. They are art. I am not (laughs) besmirching them. But again, I was was surprised that Helen Mirren was in them. But, you know, again, that was more of a collection of legacy actors, etc. You know, so I guess that kind of made sense. But isn't the character, though, meant to be linked to Greek, uh, to mythology? So... In terms of, is it like Greek mythology I, I, that the Shazam maybe. characters think, yeah. are? Uh, so maybe, I think, usually. I think Hespira is meant to be like a sort of like part of like three witches or something, which are a part of, because what, yeah, they are the Greek gods essentially, aren't they? Because you've got like Athena and stuff like that. So um, I think they are meant to be like the three, like three, a trio of three witches. So even though she doesn't seem to be playing like a comic book character, again, I can't really think of a character in comics that you would be like, yeah, Helen Mirren should play that. So I can kind of see that she would be this maybe older, sort of more mythical character because you would expect her to see her in films like Troy and Gladiator and that kind of stuff. So if she's playing this kind of mythical Greek goddess character, then uh, I can see that happening. So when I first read it, I was a bit like, oh, this sounds goofy. This sounds stupid. But then when I read that part, I was like, okay, yeah, I can imagine that. Because again, they've introduced, you know, the children are all these godlike characters. So they do seem to want to go into that realm because of the name of the film, isn't it? So I'm assuming that there's going to be a lot more playing with the the mythology and god aspects of it rather than the whole like, hey, we're a bunch of... 15 year old student into superheroes kind of aspects yeah and to be honest like if there's one thing i've learned from the dc universe is that the greek gods are complete assholes hey man in greek in greek mythology itself they're portrayed as being a lot of yeah, <laughs> quite yeah. Assholes as above <laughs> as above so below like yeah so it, it, it it's not it's not a stretch to imagine a, a Greek god going like rogue. I mean, like, don't let the Snyder Cut of Justice League fool you. I mean, it fooled me into thinking Ares was a good guy briefly when he, uh, you mm. know, took took the axe to dark side. But uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm still kind of weirded out by the casting, to be honest. But I'm I'm kind of now excited for Shazam too. I've never really liked Shazam as a character. I've tried to get into the comics. I just don't get on with the premise. I don't like it. It's weird and in yeah. my opinion, a bit dated. But whatever, the first one was kind of fun. But I'll totally watch the second one, if not just for Helen Mirren. So, yeah. Hey, man. I, I just want to see Mr. Mind come back. I need that caterpillar back in there, because, come on. Mm-hmm. I think we all do. I the think monster the world society needs of evil. Give me that shit. <laughs> so, we'll go to the Marvel news then, and that is Black Widow. We've been saying this for a year now. It was, as Thanos says... It was inevitable. Black Widow gets a Disney Plus premiere access release date, but at the same time, it will also be releasing in theaters. It was initially scheduled to come out the 7th of May. It is now coming out the 9th of July. As well as this, Shang-Chi moves from July to September, and to Dave's distaste, The Kingsman moves to the 22nd of December. <laughs> I'm seeing the real reason Jake brought me on this podcast. He used the trap of Suicide yep. Squad. Actually, he yep. just wanted to get I me wanted angry to, I wanted Dave to Kingsman. We wanted to rub, rub, rub the salt in the wounds. Rub the salt, yeah. rub the salt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
So un- unleash Dave. <laughs> uh, yes, I'll unleash him in a second. Uh, let's talk about Black <laughs> Widow first, though. I think we can all agree this was, like Thanos says, it was inevitable. I think we all expected Black Widow to eventually go on Disney+. Plus. It was a matter of time. Uh, so are we all in agreement with the decision? But at the same time, it's coming out in July. Cinemas will be open then. We're all going to go see it in the cinema, aren't we? Yeah, I think the fact that it was rocky as to where the UK cinemas would be open, even in May, I, I you know I'm kind of happy with it in the sense that like it won't be half the world is watching it and we are not. Like a certain Warner Brothers film that's coming out this week. <laughs> Hey, you can watch it, just not in the cinema. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm also like not shocked by the news to carry on the uh, the Thanos theme. Dread it, run from it. Destiny arrives all the same. <laughs> uh, I am gutted that it's had the knock-on effect of now Shang-Chi's coming out later. I want that Shang-Chi film, damn it. <laughs> it's like, weirdly, one of the Marvel films I'm most hyped for, possibly more than Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, which is madness within itself because I love Doctor Strange. I kind of feel that Shang-Chi, though, I didn't know if he could carry a July release because he is such a new character and we know so little about this film. I feel that it is going to potentially be better for him success-wise because Black Widow, you can quite easily say, yeah, she can do a July big summer release. Whereas Shang-Chi, at least he's in a less risky spot and it's a kind of time of year where there's not as much competition around, especially. So I think that that will work out better for him. I do find it rather fitting, though, that, like, in the final kind of announcement from Marvel with, right, no, this is happening with Black Widow, it's going on Disney+, Plus. it's going to be released in theatres, they had to also join a pushback on the release date still. So it was just like, yeah, we're keeping up traditions, just delaying this film as much as we possibly can. But I think it's going to be worth it when it comes out. I'm very excited for it, not least of all because of David Harbour as Red Guardian. So yeah, I'm just I'm just glad it's finally happening. Finally, after all this time, I'm excited. Like I said, I'm excited to see this film, but there is a bit of fatigue. I'm kind of more on the fence of like I just want to see it to get it out the way. I know that sounds bad. I know that sounds bad, but I'm in that sort of kind of headspace. I was similar to that with Wonder Woman eighty four. I'm the same with the James Bond No Time to Die. I'm just like I just want to get that film out the way. Mm. I've seen way too many trailers for it now. I just want to watch this movie. Do you know what I mean? I've been ready for a year to watch this movie. So. I, I don't blame you because, to be honest, this film should have been released in the year it's supposed to be set in. So shortly after, like, Civil War or Winter Soldier, whenever it is. Like, that's when it should have been released. I don't know why they waited so long to make a Black Widow film. Just sitting there waiting. I've said this for years now, that the Black Widow movie's 10 years too late. You know, they should have done this in Phase 1 or Phase 2, I think. But, oh, hey. most have. If Endgame had got delayed, we would have been like, release it now. I cannot wait. Yeah, like, oh, but I want to see it in the cinema. So, yeah, okay, okay. If we can't have cinemas, then delay it, delay it. But like Jake said, this is different. It's, you know, it's, and Tom said, you know, this film is a film that it does, it's not going to add anything massive to the on, you know, to the future story because we know that it's something that is set in the past and it's kind of more restricted then in terms of what they can do in terms of big end credit scenes and all that kind of stuff. I'm excited to see how it sets up all of those characters that it's introducing in terms of the potential new Black Widow and David Harbour's character and also, uh, what's his name? Taskmaster. Uh, I think that 
that is really fun because I don't think we have seen a lot of Taskmaster. I think that they, unlike James Bond, etc., I think that they have managed to keep a lot of stuff under lock and key, thankfully, um, but we'll see. It depends how much the films or mimics the trailers in that sense. But I think, to me, I think that at least that the from what we've seen of Black Widow is that I don't feel like I've already watched the film like you kind of felt like with something like Bond and maybe a bit like with Wonder Woman. But again, that was such a long film. There was a lot to digest there, but the story kind of played out as as, as the trailers did. But yeah, that's the problem you get with sequels and very recognizable characters. There's nothing there to go like, oh my God, I need this right now. But the good thing is, is that we now know that it can't get delayed anymore because it's going on Disney+. Plus. So ultimately, this is, you know, it, nothing it more. Them. No, I think uh, this is it, man. No, this is it. They, they, once they've said digital, there's no going back from that then. I also think like last year they could get away with it because of all these Disney Plus shows hadn't come out yet the phase four ball has started to roll with one division and Falcon and winter soldier. You can't delay anymore because when, when you th- go back, you know, black widow was meant to come out before Falcon and the winter soldier. And if the rumors were true, apparently Florence Pugh's character was meant to be in the Falcon and the winter soldier as like either a cameo or a very small appearance. And there's also talk of her appearing in Hawkeye as well. So I think mm. there's definitely development on yeah. that front. And I think with, if like eternals to be on, like, to be honest again, like, Sorry, Tom, like I know there's Shang-Chi, which is the film you're looking forward to, got delayed. But then the film I'm looking forward to, Eternals, hasn't got delayed. But that is a film that, again, is something new. We've been promised for ages. We've seen that bloody concept art of all the characters for bloody years now. And we haven't even got a glimpse of it. So if that gets delayed like another year or something, I was like, I would be like, no, this is ridiculous now. We want to see this. Even more amped for that, though. I haven't seen the film yet, but all the praise that Chloe Zhao is getting for No Man's Land, you know, I'm just like, oh, ho, ho, ho. this is actually probably going to be something yeah, good. She's something apparently very, very particular with Marvel on how she wants to film it. So she's like moving away from just do it. She's like, she's just basically, I'm, I'm going to make you a Marvel film, but it's not going to be a Marvel film. It's going to be a film for Marvel. You, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. And Marvel seems to be protecting that film in quite, you know, they wanted to have that November release. They're not kind of just, I'm not saying they're doing this with Shang-Chi, but they're not kind of just going like, oh, we'll just check it over there kind of thing. They wanted to play at a certain time. They want to make sure they don't show anything from it. So I think that that's only a good thing as well. I do think they, they, they really seem to believe in it is the vibe I'm getting. They really seem to think that like this is something that's going to blow us away. And I know loads of people have just been like, oh, but we don't know who the characters are. Who are the... No one had heard of the Guardians of the Galaxy before the film came out. Like, most people, if they try and say that they had heard of the Guardians of the Galaxy before the film came out, they're probably lying to you because not many... They were a very, like, low-tier team within the comics. Annihilation Saga kind of changed that, but... That was only within the comic book world. What happens in the comic book like worlds doesn't really echo back out to people. You don't have like people like going on Twitter talking about the new twist in comics. I also look forward to when that film is released and all these like because again, like Jake said earlier, with like Snyder fans and stuff. Like honestly, fuck these people who just they go like oh, like uh, the the woke fucking Marvel of like oh there's gonna be like a team of mainly female superheroes and like mixed race and different sexualities and I'm like yeah and then this this watch you once that film comes out and you got what's his name Richard Madden in there and 
uh, Kit Harrington, and they're all going to be like, oh, oh, yeah, Angelina Jolie, like, oh, my God, amazing. It's just like, oh, it's funny that you were, like, trashing this film a few months ago because you thought it was woke, and, you know, it's like, Marvel's not that heavy-handed. They're not going to be there, like, oh, yeah, we'll have one of each, you know, this, have, you know. So I think some people are looking at Eternals and adding that element to it. Like, oh, they're just being too, like, inclusive for the sake of it. And this character is just defined by that. And I'm like, no, that's like a completely different situation. It's just going to be that Richard Madden and Nanjil Kimjani happens to be of that background or that sexuality. I don't think they're literally there like, hello, I am Snowflake, you know, know, whatever. That's, That's like two complete opposite sides of... How to approach that. I could just imagine Kumal and Chani coming. Hello, I'm Snowflake. <laughs> just one thing as well I will say. like What, what I kind of love about this like whole setup, the Eternals film, obviously you've got Richard Madden there. You've got Kit Harrington there playing like the Black Knight. In Game of Thrones, Richard Mar- Madden's last words to Jon Snow was, next time I see you, you'll be all in black. It's come true. The prophecy has come full mm-hmm. circle. <laughs> it has come true. Back- Come full circle. Right, I'm ready to release Dave. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> Wait, before, I think I might know where you're going to go with this, but before you go into this, Dave, I actually think the, the reason, the fact that they've moved it to December, the Kingsman, is because I think they care. I think they've seen that the first two Kingsmen are, you know, well... Reception-wise, you could argue about the second one, but it earned a lot of money. Both films have earned a very lot of money, and I think they have faith that Matthew Vaughn's got a good flick in his hands, and they want to you know, earn as much money as possible, hence the move date. So I know you said in the group chat that you think this is a sort of another like new mutant situation, but I don't think it is. But what do you think? Mm. Well, no, to be fair, like I said, a lot of my response was just an initial like, ah, I want to see this kind of like fan, like this is getting on my nerves because I'm really pumped for this film. And it was so close to coming out so many times. So that's the the, the problem. And again, I, like I've said, I'm a big fan of Matthew Vaughan's films. I love him as a filmmaker and I, I really loved the look of this film. You know, we got Daniel Brawl coming up now in Falcon and Winter Soldier and I love he looks so like ridiculous in the king's man so again it's not so much like again i can understand why disney's doing this and like you jake i appreciate that they are giving it the time of day to be like let's not just chuck it on netflix etc or disney plus but i think a lot of it actually comes down to kind of like the same with dark phoenix and new mutants it's not kind of as much care it's just that they're like well we want to try and rinse this for as much as we can but also they're so contractually obliged with certain things so i think the fact that because free guy is coming out in august they can't then have like another fox film go against it within the same month and then they can't have a fox film go up against their fellow disney stuff within september november so they have no option to put it in December, really, because then they're like, we need to space out our films one per month because otherwise we're going to oversaturate and have too many films out at once. So I can understand all of that. I was going to say Spidey's coming out, but then again, that's kind of a Sony film, really. Not... Technically Sony, yeah. And again, it's it like you could potentially say there's kind of different audiences there. I'm not saying that them Free Guy and The Kingsman have got the same audience, but... It, it it can still come down to that because those films are from the Fox era and they have certain contracts in place, etc. There might be certain deals or 
you know partnerships etc which they can't step on or they can't alter in that in that way so it's just more frustration that the fact that just this film just keeps getting delayed but it's just the fact that it's like james bond is so far off it's not like black widow where they're like oh we'll edge out another month another month another month i could kind of get on board with that but the fact that like oh we'll just chuck it like in a year's time as if like people aren't looking forward to it it just annoys me the fact that they're just like oh just another six months as if that's just like nothing whereas black widow is just like another two another three you know so where's this it just feels like sometimes i i I think it's it's a 50 50 they could either do it out of care or they could either do it out of like who cares chuck it over there kind of element so i was gonna say i don't think black widow is a good example because that's part of the mp mcu and that's such a different beast do you know what I mean? Like that. That's because that's got s- future projects in motion, while the Kingsman, to our knowledge, at the minute doesn't. So, yeah, no. But it's the same with other films, again, isn't it? Why, like, why keep Free Guy in August? Why not revolve them round? Why does Free Guy have to be the one that opens first, and not the Kingsman, which has been like in development and was delayed even before Free Guy was even advertised? So it's just the fact that they're they're gradually taking those films that were meant to come out in May and june and then going oh well now it's june and august and then it pushes kingsman back right to the back of of the row kind of thing whereas to me why don't they just shuffle it up a bit more and you know rather than just going oh right when well, let's just take these three and just delay them all six months each it's you know kind of i think it it gives that fatigue that people are so fed up with and just makes them feel that the films aren't worth the time of actually working out a right release date for that film if you know what i mean because if they can't if they can't decide on an actual appropriate time of year to to release that then it doesn't give you as much faith in that film what do you think tom i i honestly don't have that strong opinions about the kings but i'll be i'll be honest with you so (laughs) (laughs) fair enough fair enough (laughs) fair enough in that case let's move on to something i think you do have a strong opinion on this is our last news story and that is russell crowe has been cast in the next Thor film, Love and Thunder. Tom, what we going? Is he going to play a big part or is he going to be part of the theatre play along with Matt Damon and Melissa McCarthy? I've got a funny <laughs> feeling he's going to be a part of the play. Just because like, the only reason I think that is I'm not sure who else he could be. In terms of like villains, they're not going to stack it with any more villains, I don't think, because Gore the God Butcher is kind of... I mean, he's an imposing villain on his own who deserves his own space as villain, but also the fact he's being played by Christian Bale. They want to get the most out of him they can. So unless he's maybe like, I don't know, playing, uh, I, I don't know, Odin's brother or something, or <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe another mm-hmm. a, another son of Asgard. Um, I'm sure Thor actually has another brother in the comics that hasn't been shown in the films. But yeah, I think it's more than likely he's going to be in that play. Either way, I'm kind of excited for it. Um, if he does have a chunky role, fantastic. But I feel like with Natalie Portman there, you've got the Guardians there, Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher, I, I'm not sure where Russell Crowe would fit in. Unless maybe he was playing someone like, I don't know, The Watcher, Uatu. Maybe we actually get Uatu in and he's just there as like... I don't know some crazy narrator for the whole thing, so that's my three options then. Oh, that's that's he, that's Jeffrey Wright, man. That's Jeffrey Wright is the the MCU watcher. Yeah, but ooh, yeah, yeah. And what, what if? if uh, 
that's canon. That's canon adjacent, you know. Yeah, but they, it's like kind of taking place in different universes and there's different watches in different universes. They're not a multiversal like group. Well, they are multiversal in the fact they exist throughout the multiverse, but they're not like... I don't know. As I said, I think it's far more likely Russell Crowe is going to be just part of the play. Um, I don't think we should expect any more than that. But it's just getting me more excited for the play now, if that is the case, because it just sounds so crazy. <laughs> um, Where do you go with this, Dave? I don't know. The logistic part of my brain doesn't sync up with that as much, because in my head, I'm like, well, if they filmed that play stuff, I don't really see why they would then cast him like now. Again, maybe it is just that somebody has only now found the casting or the news about that but would we have seen him on set with melissa mccarthy etc or they could yeah just cgi him in and this was the only time he was available but it does seem the russell crowe is more that caliber of actor which you could easily mimic that kind of gladiator robin hood element of characters he's played to play these more mythological god-like characters so i could see him playing a character like that and again like we mentioned earlier using him like they have with you know, Michael Douglas and Robert Redford in a sort of smaller role in this film. Or, again, all I can get out of my head at now is because we've recently heard him in the DCEU uh, as uh, Superman's father, is I kind of just want to see him as that, like, ghost hologram that he was in Man of Steel. And just, like, Thor just stumbles onto some alien ship. And apologies <laughs> for everyone at home because you won't see this. But just, like, him just, like, directing Thor, like... This way. Into, diff <laughs> if into different rooms and just, like, you know, like, when he finds the big secret or whatever the film is, Russell Crowe's just there to, to help him out by pointing him to, like, yeah, <laughs> go left at the next exit, please. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. That, that's who I want uh, Russell Crowe to play is... Uh, is a hologram to a ship who directs people right or left, depending on where their destiny lies within that <laughs> ship. I'm just saying he could also be Beta Ray Bell. They only need his voice for that. And might explain why we're only Full finding CGI out this. Character. Yeah, and explain why we're only hearing about this casting news now, maybe. Like Dave said, it could just be that someone's only just found out now. Maybe he's always been part of it. But I don't know. I feel like if he was always part of it, they'd want it they'd want to sh tell people that like almost straight away just like oh yeah we got christian bale and we got russell crowe so eh, if know. he's beta ray bill i will lose my fucking shit yeah because See, i don't think he's got like enough range for beta ray bill like i think with that you would need some sort of like epic voice actor or somebody like somebody who did like dark side or something in justice league i can't imagine that voice coming out of that face this Australian accent. <laughs> I'm all for Russell Crowe voicing Beta Ray Bill. I think just the fact that Beta Ray Bill would be in the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'm all for, you know. Of three Thors. Um, Nat Natalie, Natalie Portman with Thor and um, what's his name? Uh, the go um, Chris God Butcher. Oh, Gore. Gore the God Butcher. Gore, Gore the God Butcher. I'm, oh, that's fucking great. But if you give me Beta Ray Bill as well. Dude, you, you, you're probably going to give me the best Marvel movie ever made. Yeah, basically, yeah. basically to Marvel, if you do that, you'll get to hear Jake say chef's kiss about your film. And that, I think, is what everyone aspires to, is to hear Jake refer to something as 
chef's kiss <laughs> this is directed by taika watiti though is is he gonna make that epic like i you he could quite easily and because russell crowe is like australian he could just have beta ray bill come over like a sort of core character like how are you guys <laughs> all right, from uh, a different planet <laughs> who would, but who would have thought we would have got kate blanchett as hella that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm, that casting, I was like, thankful superb. For I'm thankful oh, for yes. that. Oh, yes. I think everybody in the world is thankful for that. Yeah. Right. So that's the end of the news. And boy, as I said up top, there's a lot of news to cover. A lot of shit's been going on. But now let's get go back to the books that started everything. Well, after X-Men hit at the box office, all the studios started buying up every comic property they could get their dirty little hands on. Tom, take it away with our weekly pull list. Yeah, well, as there has also been, like, so many, like, so much news this week, there are just so many good comics coming out this week. I had to whittle it down to five, so I got two from Marvel, two from DC, and one from Dark Horse. Uh, So let's kick off with the... Marvel stuff and seeing as we were just talking about him, issue one of Beta Ray Bill is coming out this week. So, I mean, if if you're a fan of Beta Ray Bill, or if you want to know a bit more about who this character is, pick this up because it's it's looking like it's going to shape up to be a fairly interesting series. Also, sticking with Marvel and keeping relevant with what we've seen, we've got issue four of U.S. Agents coming out. Cover looks very interesting. You've actually got two characters who we've obviously been introduced to now. We've got John Walker's US agent and Battlestar on the cover. Both of them looking a little bit worse for wear. So I uh, want to pick that up if you want to get to know those characters, especially Battlestar, as I'm still mind blown that Marvel have brought Battlestar into it, but I'm here for it. Moving over to DC, uh, Jake will thank me for including this. We got Batman Catwoman issue four by Tom King. It's shaping up to be a really good series. Um, we got more Phantasm stuff and just a bit more of the the, the new Batwoman, basically. Uh, Catwoman and Batman's daughter. That's the thing. I'm still not sure if I'm a fan of the costume they've got for her, Jake, I'll be honest. It looks like half finish, but I'm along for the ride. It's Tom King on Batman. I don't have any issues with that. And lastly, then from DC, we have issue number three, I believe, of The Other History of the DC Universe. So this is an amazing series that's been coming out, basically telling the story of the DC Universe, but from the perspective of characters from minority groups or people of color. So we've had Black Lightning um, lead an issue. We've got Renee Montoya's question, one of my favorite questions, possibly more than the original. This issue will be focusing on Katana, so uh, if you're a fan of Katana, definitely pick up this an amazing series to read, and I recommend everyone picking it up. And then moving over to Dark Horse. So if you're a fan of the Dragon Age games, we've got the new comic Dragon Age Dark Fortress issue one starting. It's carrying on from uh, the previous comic, uh, Dragon Age Blue Wraith, and it sees Fenris uh, from Dragon Age 2 and a team from the Inquisition preparing to assault a fortress said to be unbreakable. Um, it's likely going to have a lot of things that will tie into the next Dragon Age game. I will say that a lot of the Dragon Age comics and side books have been like really well written, so even if you're maybe not a fan of the games, or you've only played them a couple of times, or not at all even, I'd still maybe recommend picking these series up, as they are like quite often a good time. And that is it for my comics pull list for this week. So I wonder if anything there tickled your fancies, gentlemen. Uh, I know Batman Catwoman is up your alley, Jake. Oh, yeah. I've already uh, got it on pre-order from my um, pull list on Forbidden Planet. So, yeah, definitely. What about you, Dave? What do you think? It all sounds 
pretty interesting. I'm liking that certain characters, like you said, Beta Ray Bill are still in the mix in the comics. It's, you know, sad when you do see like certain characters that just like disappear for years. And so I'm glad that they're keeping certain ones in the mix. You know, stuff like Catwoman, sometimes it's a bit hard to be like, oh, you know, still like another Catwoman, like character, you know, comic because they still have like Batwoman, Catwoman turn up so much. But it's Tom King's Batwoman and Catwoman. And also the the illustrator is the amazingly named the brilliant yeah Clay Man. His name is Clay Man, <laughs> and he does the art for Batman. <laughs> that dude, chef's kiss for his artwork because his name. Fucking, <laughs> his his Batman is one of my favorite Batmans. Like the way he draws him is yeah. brilliant. I just love the fact his name is Clay Man. I mean, was he like that from? birth or did he change it i need to i need to meet him and ask him these questions <laughs> <laughs> that's it then that's your news that's your comics plenty to chew over over the next week as well as that we've obviously got our reviews for falcon and the winter soldier and next week we won't be coming back with a new show but we will be coming back with a big discussion episode featuring a special guest johan Paul. we're going to be looking at biff bam pow the camp of superheroes so we can't wait to dive into that uh, that's going to be really fun but dave before we get out of here what have you got going on and where can the people find you uh yeah i've got quite a lot going on i've been really hard at work uh, this week to get my new video essay up so it's ironic actually tom talked about Catwoman there because uh on recent rewatch of the off uh, of what was considered the awful halle berry film um i actually can really think the Catwoman is an amazing film so uh, I've got my new video essay, which is up on Fresh Take, about how Catwoman is actually an underappreciated movie and is fantastic. April Fool's! Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, about no. to just get, go hard on you then, man. I was like, really? I was like, which one should I choose? I was like, well, I know that Jake's not going to believe me if I chose Fantastic Four. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, I, I genuinely started seeing reds then i was just yeah. like how how dare you sir? like that I, I was batman robin i was like boiling I, in I, my I, blood there like <laughs> they they could have actually bought it that i did enjoy batman and robin i was like superman quest for peace is a bit niche i'll go for catwoman <laughs> so uh yeah my actual video essay which i mentioned before i don't think i mentioned on a news one is spider-man the first avenger where i talk about the sam raimi spider-man films and the legacy that uh, they brought to the superhero genre and to movies. So go check that out. And yeah, I should have some more video essays and fun stuff coming up uh, along the way. You can catch uh, mine, Jake's, Niles, and Kelly's thoughts on Justice League, uh, the Zack Snyder cut over on freshtakehub.com right now, which is a really fun read. And uh, yeah, so keep appealed for my socials. So David Osger at Twitter, uh, you can see about all the stuff that I'm up to and uh, watching and reading and all that kind of stuff. Tom, where can we catch you? Catch me on Twitter at GapperBoy, G-A-P-P-E-R-B-O-I. Still just sharing my, my thoughts and feelings of the recent comic book news, just occasional rants about Cap Wolf not being in Falcon and the Winter Soldier yet. It's been two episodes mm-hmm. and no Cap Wolf. This is disgraceful. And yeah, um, hopefully you'll start seeing... a. A bit more from me. I am planning on doing a few uh, character profiles for some of the Marvel series we got coming up. So Loki should be the first one. So uh, keep an eye out for that when it eventually drops. And uh, you'll catch me on this new show where, where every time we do it. So that's, uh, yeah, 
That's what I got going on. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Uh, same. You can also find me on the Twitter birds at sweaty Jake. And I'm also on letterbox at Jake Hart. and the show itself. We're also on Twitter and Facebook at capes, cows and masks. And we're on anchor, Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from, Follow us, subscribe to us, like us, leave us reviews. All of it helps to get us up in the rankings. But the best thing you can do is recommend us to all of your nerdy and geeky friends, giving them the lowdown and all the geeky and nerdy stuff that's happened around the world. So thank everyone for listening again. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye now. Bye. R.I.P. Red Wing.